And so we are going to be in Psalm 44 today. Let me skip there real quick. We're going to be in Psalm 44, and if, if you're not very familiar with the Psalms, they're a pretty large collection of, of smaller chapters, smaller writings. Um, and they're very unique and interesting because they take the perspective of the human, and it says it's, it's about the human experiencing this world. You know, what, what is this world? Uh, what are these struggles that I'm facing, and, and who is God? You know, who is God in relation to me? And so the Psalms are a really great place to turn if we want to understand our own selves, understand our own emotions. Um, and so that's what we're going to be doing today. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, one author actually puts the book of Psalms as uh, anatomy of the soul, which is very fascinating. And he's basically com communicating that the Psalms are such just a varying book of, of who humans are. And so that's just incredible. So our Psalm today is, is about suffering. In fact, one third of the Psalms are actually about suffering. And so this lends the idea, you know, like we need to learn what suffering is. You know, why do we experience suffering in this world? Um, so yeah, so these are just real humans with real struggles, with real problems, and they're crying out to God to deliver them. And so if you are suffering today, if you have been suffering this week, I want you to know that this psalm is for you. I know we all suffer continuously. We have the ups and downs throughout life. And so we can turn to a place like this to really receive comfort. Um, so let me jump in. I'll read the text, and then, and then we'll pray, and then get into the sermon. This is the word of the Lord. Oh God... We have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days. In the days of old, you with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face. For you delighted in them. You are my king, O God. Ordain salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually and we will give thanks to your name forever. But you have rejected us and disgraced us and have not gone out with our armies. You have made us turn back from the foe, and those who hate us have gotten spoil. You have made us like sheep for slaughter, and have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughing stock among the peoples. All day long my disgrace is before me, and shame has covered my face. At the sound of the taunter and reviler, at the sight of the enemy and the avenger, all this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart, yet for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. 
Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you would be here with us today, that you would speak through myself as your humble servant, Lord, and that you would open up all of our ears to all of our ears to hear your wonderful and beautiful truth that you have laid out to us in your word. Lord, so help us to understand. Help us to understand this world's suffering and who you are in the midst of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so yeah, so we'll be going through this psalm. We're going to be talking heavily about suffering. Um, but I want us to remember that even when it feels like God isn't with us, I want to remind you that he is with a very real promise of hope. Okay, so if, if this helps anybody, we're going to be breaking down the sermon into three main parts. The first one is God is here. So God is here with us right now. Second point, but is he really? Is God actually here? And third point, his promise, God's promise for us. Okay, so first point, God is here with us right now. Um, so a really interesting uh, sensation, really, it's almost like a phenomenon, I don't really know, but nostalgia, okay? We've all experienced nostalgia before. The fact that we can smell something or taste something or hear something, feel something, and instantly be transported back to a memory. And oftentimes these memories bring us joy and comfort. Um, they really give us a sense of grounding. You know, a therapist actually says this. She says that nostalgia really gives you a sense of grounding in who you are, the truths that you hold. Um, and that can bring you a lot of comfort, especially in times of struggle. Um, it's also been, like, like this, uh, it's been heavily used in psychotherapy to, to treat people with trauma. Um, so nostalgia is a very powerful um, sensation that we all experience, the fact that we can remember and feel comforted. And so we just see the same thing happening in the first eight verses of our psalm. So one through eight, the Israelites instantly come in and they're remembering. They're remembering what God has done for them. And this is, brings them great comfort. It brings them great um, grounding in who they are as a people in God's covenant. And so right in verse one, it's, it's, it's pretty miraculous how they come in. He says, oh God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us. They are remembering the things that God has done for their people. What God did for Abraham, what he did for Isaac, what he did for Jacob, what he did throughout the tremendous amounts of struggles that the Israelite people experienced. God has not let them down. He has constantly been with them in their lives. They also reflect on what he did in creation. He made the world out of nothing. And then he saved them in this, in, this, in this corrupt world, he picked them out of it and he saved them. He's done incredible things for the people of Israel. He gave them Mount Sinai. He delivered them out of Egypt. He delivered them from the hands of their enemies over and over and over again. And so the Israelites are reflecting on this. And it's bringing them comfort. They can remember these things. And that's incredible. And then they end this section, in verse 8, they end it by giving praise to God. God, we know we are suffering right now. We know we are struggling, but we also remember that you are there, and this brings us comfort. This brings us a sense of, of your love for us, and so we will praise you, God. In fact, in Exodus 9, 5, 19, 5, it, um, it says that Israel is, is God's treasured possession, and so they can remember this. We are your treasured possession, God. Thank you. And so... 
remembering can be a great tool. Nostalgia is a great tool for grounding us in who we are and the love that God has for us. And I encourage you to do that. I encourage you right now to think about the, the things that God has done in your life. Reflect back. I'm sure you all have different instances where you can reflect back and say, wow, God has been so good. You know, I, I remember uh, when, I, when I really first understood God's love for me um, was a pretty extraordinary uh, moment in my life. And uh, I remember walking outside and I couldn't help but start dancing. <laughs> I was in my 20s and I was dancing like a child with nobody else around. And so I often reflect back on this memory and it brings me much comfort, especially when I'm struggling. And so I'm sure all of you have those moments too that you can reflect back on. You can say, wow, God has been so good to me. Or just the fact that we can look back on just the, the, our whole entire lives, really. Have you ever thought about that you are in this church building today because of a highly orchestrated chain of events that God has wielded together for your benefit to bring you here right now? And that's what Israel is remembering. Like, that's, that's, what, that's what happened with them. They had this highly orchestrated chain of events that brought them to where they are today. And sure, they are suffering, but they know that good will come. And so, this is true, right? Remembering is true, and it's great. We can always utilize that. But sometimes, sometimes, it doesn't always feel like enough, does it? Sometimes our memories get clouded. Sometimes, the truth becomes less impactful. And in all of this, we eventually come to that thought, God, where are you? Wake up. Why are you sleeping? I am struggling right now. I am suffering. God, where are you? And so, yeah, I have those memories, but I'm struggling right now. I need you right now. And so that brings us to our second point. Right? We know God is here. We know he is with us. We know we are his children. But where are you right now? Because it doesn't feel like you are here. Um, you know, the, the other day I, uh, I woke up really early, which if any of you know me, I don't do that. <laughs> so I woke up really early, and uh, I did that so that I could uh, read my Bible. So I could read my Bible for an extended period of time. And then I could pray, and so I prayed sincerely to the Lord. And then I left the house, right? And then I, I began my day, and, and I came across different people, and I loved them the best way that I could. You know, I listened to them. I, uh, I, I said all the right things. I tried to at least, right? And then I worked hard at school, and so I was tired, and I was ready to come back home. And so I came back home, and I put the key into the lock, and I opened up the door, and right when I walked in, I stubbed my toe. So bad. I stubbed my toe, and my first thought was, why? <laughs> Didn't I do everything right today? I mean, of course I sinned. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not perfect by any means, but... I did the best that I could, and yet I'm still struggling. <laughs> Why am I struggling right now? And so I want, what, what I want to address in this point, church, is that there's, there's a misconception, I think, in Christianity, that God is only with us when we feel good. And we can only feel good when we're living righteously, right? And so we equate this idea that if I live righteously, then God is with me. If I live unrighteously, then God is away from me. Right? And so I want to I fight against this temptation today. I want to give some pushback. 
I want to suggest that if your faith is grounded in Jesus Christ today, God is always with you. It's not based on whether or not you think you failed some standard for the day. Therefore, God's love for his children is not contingent on your specific acts of righteousness for the day. Okay, so we want to fight against that impulse. So the Israelites, right, we get through the first eight verses and then it radically changes, right? They're no longer remembering. Now they're saying, God, we are suffering and you are not here. We tried remembering that doesn't seem to be working anymore. And just to give some, uh, uh, some background, the Israelites weren't just, you know, stubbing their toes, right? They were completely destroyed by their enemies. Like, they, they were at the point of extreme oppression. They were enslaved. Um, they were ridiculed and, and suffering in such incredible ways, right? So this isn't just some little thing. They are just, just being totally destroyed, right? And so this is what they're experiencing right now. And so they respond, right, in the next few verses, God, where are you? It's as, it's as if we disobeyed you, but we haven't. We have done everything right, yet you are not here. Why are you not here? We followed your covenant stipulations, right? We, we did everything you told us to, to do. You promised to be our God, and we would be your people. We are your people, yet it seems like you're not being our God. And then it gets, it gets pretty dark with some of the analogies they use, right? They say, God, it's as if you are a slave trader who just wants to get rid of us. You don't even care to sell us. You just want to pawn us off because we're not worth anything. That's how they're feeling right now. Or another example that they use, we are like sheep to be slaughtered. This is found in two places in the passage. We are like sheep to be slaughtered and this is, just, this is just reminding us of, of God's divine judgment. And so they're saying, God, are we under your divine judgment any, right now? Like, are your promises no longer true for us? Is that what we're experiencing? Why are we suffering? Job has a very similar story in the book of Job, right? He's, he's asking that question, why is there suffering in the world? Especially if I'm living righteously, you know, why is there suffering? And so we may, we may read through this passage and, and we're tempted to put on our, uh, our, our judgment lenses, right? And we say, well, I mean, were they really doing everything right? Of course they weren't, right? They couldn't have been doing everything right. They were sinful, just like us today. We can't do everything right because we have sin. And so were they doing everything right? Of course not. But when we look at the text through that lens, we miss the point of the passage. You see, the point of the passage isn't that if they, if they did do everything right, then they wouldn't experience suffering. No, the point of the passage is that even if they could do everything right, they would still struggle because that's the world they live in. And Job understood this. In Job 14.1, he says this. Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. This world is trouble. And so we will struggle. And that's the sad reality. Israel knows this. Job knows this. And so maybe today, right now, you are coming into church and you didn't just stub your toe, right? You didn't just run to the wall. <laughs> maybe you're facing something much more difficult. Maybe you've been looking at your bank account for weeks right now. And you're saying, I don't have enough money to, to make it by, to feed my family. 
Maybe you've been fighting with your spouse now for months and you don't see an end in sight. How does this struggle stop? Maybe your anxiety and your depression have acted up in so, such incredible ways that you can't even leave the house sometimes, let alone talk to people. You're coming to church today and you're, you're struggling to talk with people. We struggle in incredible ways. Suffering is real. It is in this world. We see that easily in the war that's going on right now. And it's unfortunate. It is really sad. But that's the world that we live in. And so you try to remember the Lord's goodness, and I encourage you to do that, but sometimes you just can't. It just, it's just not enough. I want to tell you, church, today that suffering is terrible. It's unfortunate, and I'm sorry that you are struggling today. And if you're not, I'm happy for you, but I know, you know, just based on our track records, next week we probably will be. And I'm sorry, but God cares. Please remember that God truly cares for you right now in this room. He sees your suffering, he sees your struggle, and he sympathizes. He doesn't depart from you, he's not angry, he's not punishing you. If you are his child today, he is there right now with you in it. And so maybe our suffering isn't based on whether or not we do good deeds, or whether God seems distant or uncaring. With that being said, I, I do wanna, just, just a side note, I do wanna point out that if you, if you are a Christian and if you are living in unrepentant sin, there is a real struggle that comes along with that that you can experience. And, that, and, and those are some things that can be possibly resolved if you, if you cry out to God and, and his Holy Spirit is able to strengthen you in that way. Um, but, what, but what we're talking about is really just suffering that is uncontrollable, right? The things that we can't control in life and we just experience from the hands of this world. And so, we suffer because we live in a suffering world. We live in a world that has been plagued by sin. We ourselves have been plagued by sin. And so we struggle. That is real. And so where is our hope? Where could our hope possibly be in a world like this? So that brings us to our last point, his promise, God's promise in the midst of all of this. Um, so, uh, I remember when I was six or seven or so, and uh, I would go to the doctor's office, and I hated the doctor's office. I hated it with a passion. Um, the doctor was basically the antichrist to me. Um, I'm sorry that if any of you are doctors today, <laughs> but to my childhood brain, I hated going to the doctors. It was terrible. There was this real sense of suffering and struggle for me in that. But you know, I had to go, right? My parents would, would bring me to the doctor's office. And so I would sit there, but I always, in the back of my head, I could remember something. I could look forward to something. That there was always a promise that if I endured this doctor's visit, there would be a piece of candy at the end, right? And so I went through it and I struggled. <laughs> and then I got the piece of candy. And so I got that promise. There was that promise, and I got it at the end. In the same way, uh, you might be waking up uh, Thursday morning, 7 a.m., and you're saying, I have to go to work again? Again? I just went yesterday. 
<laughs> I just went last week. Now I'm getting up again to go. And then you have that thought in your mind, like, maybe I can just quit. Do I really need this job? Maybe I can just quit. But you don't, right? You remember that promise. You look forward to the promise that if I go to work, I will get a paycheck. And so you can look forward to that. And so in the same way, this is what the Israelites are doing. They go throughout this whole passage, right? They, they, they look back and they remember all the amazing things that God's done, which is great. And then they go into this sequence where they are just utterly destroyed and they feel like they have no hope. But then you get to verse 26. Let me read that for you. Rise up, come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. That very last phrase, steadfast love, is often translated in, in various ways with different, you know, different translations of the Bible. It may be um, steadfast love, like you see here. It may be unfailing love. It may be God's loyalty. It may be God's kindness. Um, but I think one of the better translations that we can find is God's covenantal love. And so with this very last verse, they're saying, God, I'm suffering. God, I'm struggling. But I know that your covenantal love is good. I know that there is a promise at the end of this. I know that you care for me and that you will ultimately deliver me. And so the Israelites are, are kind of changing their perspective now. In the beginning, they're, they're remembering, right? And I encourage you to do that. They're remembering. But now they've switched now they're looking forward. Rather than looking back, they're looking forward to the promise. And so we, we can gain from this that God's, co uh, God's covenant doesn't guarantee a lack of suffering, right? The, the Israelites are finding this out. It doesn't guarantee a lack of suffering in this world, but it promises a fulfillment that comes through the suffering. There is a promise at the end. Their pleas and prayers were answered we have the um, ability to obviously look back in time and we can see the chain of events, right? We can, we can read through history and we see the struggles and God's deliverance and the struggles and God's deliverance. And now they are currently struggling. And this is all they can see. This is where they are in life right now. They are struggling. But then we flip ahead, right? A few hundred pages. And we see that their struggles were answered. That Jesus Christ came into this world and he delivered them from their suffering, from their sin. This is what they were longing for, and he came. In the same way he came for all of us today. And he is still here with us. His spirit is still amongst us. His love is still wrapped around us, and he's not leaving. And so that is your hope today, Christian. If your hope is in the Son of God who came down to die for you. He is here with you. And he sympathizes with your struggles. And so Christian, your suffering is temporary. I know it is terrible right now, but it is temporary. There is a promise at the end. Your suffering will end. Um, when, we, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see a... Uh, um, uh, just a sequence of events, but we see God, we see Jesus, who is God, he comes to this world, and he, he struggles, he suffers, and he suffers his whole entire life. Then he comes to the cross, and he suffers in death. And that'd be terrible if the story ended right there, and oftentimes I think in our hearts we think that the story ends right there, that this is it. 
This is the end. But it didn't end there. Jesus was resurrected three days later after his death, and he ascended back into heaven in glory. And so Christian, today, did you know that we are going to follow that same trajectory? That we will also suffer in this world because that is this world. But then you will be resurrected and you will ascend into glory with Jesus himself. That is an incredible hope. That is a promise that we can all lean on. That is our promise today. There's a... There's the other reality too, right? That the suffering won't end. We, as children of God, go from suffering to glory. But I want to tell you today that if your faith is not in Christ, the suffering doesn't end. And I'm sorry, like that, <laughs> that pains me to say it. But it's true. The suffering will not end. Everything that you are experiencing right now on earth, the suffering will increase even after you die. And so I urge you, I urge you today to think about your soul. Think about God. Think about your life. I'm saying this out of love. I deeply care and have love for you. So please think about that today. Jesus Christ came down for you. We could never heal ourselves. We could never stop the suffering in this world. We can't do it on our own, but Jesus Christ came to do it for us. And he did, and he has. It's accomplished. And all he asks now is that you have faith in him, that you come to him, and he will extend uh, his work to you. And you will experience that resurrection. You will experience that glory in heaven. That will be a great day. That is a great hope. So in the meantime, uh, we are struggling right now, right? We are suffering right now. And so there are a few things that God has given us um, that, we can, that we can utilize right now by his, by his good grace to, to help us in the midst of suffering. One of those things, as the Psalms teach us, is that we can honestly cry out to God. He wants to hear about your emotions. We read that over and over again here. Tell him your true feelings about him. If you're angry at him, tell him. If you're sad, if you're distraught, if you're joyful, tell him. He cares. He has also given us our, our brothers and sisters in this church so we can be brutally honest with each other. Tell each other your struggles. Sympathize with one another. He has also given us really great common grace tools. You know, Rob talked about common grace a few weeks ago. Um, in a very short sentence that doesn't do it justice, but it's basically just the idea that God brings good um, out of a world that is not good. And so one of those things uh, is, is, is the use of counselors. We can utilize really great counselors who can help us along through our suffering, help us along with past traumas that dictate a lot of our decisions we make in life. And so God has given us incredible grace to help us through this world. Also, our elder team here is... is, is um, desires to talk to you. They have much love for you. And so please go and talk with them. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end the sermon 
uh, right here with just a few lines from, a, uh, from an old gospel blues song um, from the 40s. And so this is how it goes. I'm not going to sing it for you guys, don't worry. <laughs> There's only one thing that I long for when I reach that heavenly land. To see my Jesus in his glory as I go from land to land. There's only one thing that I long for when I reach that heavenly land. And I know, I know we shall see him in that sweet, oh my Lord, in that sweet, peaceful rest. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you for coming to this world, to this suffering world, to this struggling world. Thank you for coming into the midst of, of humans who are sinful, who have no hope. Thank you for becoming our hope. Lord, you are good. You have been so good to us, Lord, and so help us to remember that, Lord. Please enlighten our hearts with, with an understanding of your love for us in the midst of suffering right now as we suffer. Let us know that you are here right now with us and you desire to know and sympathize with us and to, to, to push us along by the work of the Spirit to, to that great salvation, to that great hope. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.